Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. 
And do my eyes deceive me? Do we got some homie coming back home? Y'all know him as, as Brian. We call him breaking news, man. Brian breaking news. He was back in the middle. What's up, my guy? We're going to see something. What is good, Aaron? Ya boy. Serious. We've got the villain. We've got Harvey. Man, I picked a good night to stop in, boys. Uh, how y'all doing tonight? Well, I, I'm, Man, just hoping that, I'm just hoping that he'll get my name right because, like you, Siri, uh, you used to do it jokingly, but this man, like, all day Sunday, <laughs> we're doing the brunch, man. He called me Matt over and over and over again. You did it for fun. This, this guy, I don't know, like, all of a sudden just can't get Mike out of his mouth. But the funny thing is, if he said Mike once or twice, and then it became Matt again. I'm like, y'all about to give me, like, a complex, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, not, not, hey, you know what? Listen, what he's saying is true. I can neither confirm nor deny, but I will tell you, after that episode, I did feel like I might have been a dementia patient. <laughs> man, I'll tell you, I ain't heard from this man in a little bit, man. It's a pleasure to hear from you. I hope the family and, 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 and the loved ones are doing good. But enough of these pleasantries, man. I wanted to get right to it. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. I'm going to say, you know, breaking down the game um, that took place on Sunday for, for a little bit of the end. I wanted to talk about some news and notes from around the league. There's a lot to get to. Um, for starters, I'm just going to, I'm just going to jump right in. Sean Payton uh, is now the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. I'm after agreeing to some type of trade and draft compensation uh, between both parties. I'm just going to let my man, Mr. Harvey, speak on that as though, and, you know, being as though he is the, the Saints fan. Uh, so, Mr. Harvey, I'm, I'm going to come to you first, sir. Your man is, is gone off to the AFC West to coach the Denver Broncos. Um, he didn't leave empty-handed. He, you know, he allowed some picks to come your way. Um, and you spoke about it offline. That, that's something that you're kind of happy about. But talk to me about how you feel about this whole Sean Payton, the Denver situation as it pertains to the Saints. Okay, so first of all, let me say, and I've said this a couple of times, you guys have heard me say this and, and can back me on this. I am very appreciative and grateful for all the service that Sean Payton gave to the New Orleans Saints franchise. Um, this man for 15 years uh, led this organization. Would have been 16, but we had one year of suspension. Uh, but led this organization uh, to heights that it had never seen. And so I'm very appreciative of, of everything he did for that franchise. <clears throat> that being said, uh, you know, he always said, his mentor, Parcells, always said too, like everybody's message becomes old after a while. Maybe, uh, you know, the – how much you see rosters turnover and things in the league maybe allowed him to stick around even longer. But, you know, he stayed in one spot a lot longer than Mr. Parcells ever stayed in one spot, right? So uh, appreciate everything he did. That being said, if you don't want to be there anymore because you lost your franchise quarterback and you just don't know if you really want to rebuild, well, it's time for you to go. I, I appreciate what you did. I'm just glad that they were able to work something out and get something done this year. We will see if he has what he thinks he has in Russell Wilson. Uh, if Russell Wilson cannot bounce back and do better next year, then, uh, hey, man, like, listen, 
it ain't, it ain't the coach. So we'll see what happens. But that being said, uh, you said from the Saints' perspective, I, I'm glad that this happened right now. If this did not happen this year, then the Saints get nothing, right? Like, he's still under contract with them. He stepped out early. Saints gave up a first-round pick, uh, making some moves and, and trying to get under the cap already with things that they did uh, <clears throat> this past season. So they were not going to have a first-round pick in this year's draft. But fortunate for uh, the Saints, uh, Denver really wasn't that good this year. So we get a pretty good first-round pick. I'll take that. Um, we also get, uh, let's see, a second-round pick next year. Uh, and we give up a third next year, I believe, is what I read. So the Saints are still going to get three picks in the first two rounds of next year's draft. Uh, they get their first-round pick back this year. And they, the Saints have kicked this can down the road for the salary cap for a while. I've talked about that. And once the number went down after COVID, understandably so, because revenue went down, then that really kind of put them behind the eight ball trying to scramble to fix this. So uh, I think that this is what they – this is what they, they needed. They needed to get something back here to at least try to help them accelerate um, this process of kind of turning this roster over. There's a lot of talent that you want to still keep around. And so, listen, if Mickey Loomis and, and that front office have been able to be creative with numbers before, I think they'll keep as much as they can in the, uh, you know, on roster. But you need picks to be able to rebuild. So this allows them to uh, continue to do that. And listen – uh, this is a different animal, Sean Payton, that you're going into. I understand Matt Ryan, Julio. I understand you had Tom Brady for a couple of years in Tampa or whatever. Listen, you're going into the land of Pat Mahomes, uh, Justin Herbert, the Chargers, the Raiders. I mean, yeah, they got to still do some rebuilding. But uh, that AFC West is uh, it's, it's every bit as tough a division. And, uh, listen, Andy Reid and uh, Pat Mahomes, you could argue, is this t- is a tougher coach slash quarterback combination than you really ever had to deal with on a regular basis in that NFC South. So it's going to be tough. I, you know, I think uh, no coach has ever won a Super Bowl and gone somewhere else and been able to win one. So I don't think that Sean Payton is special enough to break that mold. Uh, but we will find out. I'm glad the Saints got something for him. Appreciate everything he done. he's done. I don't think Dennis Allen is the guy moving forward for New Orleans, but it may take another year for them to see it for themselves and then go ahead and cut bait. But I wish we were going to do something different this year uh, at the head coaching position. But appreciate you, Sean. Good riddance. Holla at you. Good luck in Denver. Thanks for the first-round pick, Denver. You know what? It's funny you mentioned, you know, coaches going from one team to another team, um, winning a Super Bowl, um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that, that pans out for Sean Payton as um, we decide to, you know, move on to, to, to Denver. Uh, breaking news, I'll come to you next, sir. Um, Sean Payton moves and becomes the head coach of the Devil Broncos. He has been touted. He's been touted as like the QB whisperer, if you will, when, when he had Jameis Winston – the, the Saints were decent, and, um, you know, he, he did wonders and worked for, with Drew Brees. So, uh, if Russell Wilson is quote-unquote broken, um, he may be the guy to fix him. Give, give me a position on on that move for, for the Denver Broncos. 
Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll keep it brief, man, especially when we got four chefs in the building. Um, I, I actually, you know, I, I applaud Denver on one hand because I think, I think when you look at the situation with Hackett, um, you don't know how much of that situation is maybe potentially a coach being over their head versus has Russell Wilson and some of these other players kind of quote-unquote lost it. You have way too much money, finances, draft capital. You have way too much money invested in this team as a win-now team. So what they needed was they needed a bona fide star coach that you know you can bring in that's had success in the past that can, you know, basically you'll know after year one. You know, is this going to work? Is it not? It won't be a schematic issue. It won't be an issue where you feel like the coach is outcoached. Sean Payton is a hell of a coach. I don't like it, and I, I, I agree with Harvey. Man, you know what? Head coaches are very valuable, but so are first-round draft picks. Uh, a first-round draft pick, even though it ends up being the number 29 pick, it's actually the former San Francisco 49er pick. But even a pick 29, you get that extra – fifth-year option, it makes a huge impact. You're able to keep these guys at a much, much reduced salary. Um, a lot of these star players that are drafted in the top 30. Um, so they gave up significant capital um, to essentially make Sean Payton their guy. We're going to know after the first year how much of the debacle that happened in um, Denver was re- you know, related to the coach and the coaching staff and how much of it is related to the players in-house. But I will tell you this, for everything bad that people say about Denver ownership being cheap, about people saying, you know, John Elway kind of lost it, I think in the situation and the the current cards that they've been dealt, I, I think, like, honestly, like, this was the only move. I mean, short of figuring out a way of getting, you know, Jim Harbaugh, like, this is the right move, is bringing in a bona fide guy that you know – is very experienced with offense and has had success with developing quarterbacks and a proven track record. So I think it's a win-win for both sides, but I got to tell you, if I'm the Saints, I'm thrilled to get a first and a second round uh, pick for somebody that, you know, hasn't been in my building in two years. You know, definitely, definitely. For for, for me, uh, I, I, I keep it short and sweet. Um, I think this is going to be a very interesting move. And the thing is, Sean Payton, it's very, very difficult, in my opinion, to, to leave one organization that you've kind of been the, the quintessential guy for and go to another organization and expect immediate win-now results. And like, like Mr. Hughes alluded to, I think the Denver Broncos went into this past year um, with the win now mentality, like for all, for, for 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 a good period of time, they were a quarterback away, and they needed to get that quarterback in the building. And so you move heaven and earth to get your quarterback, and then, you know, last year it took place. I I, I raised my hand. I was the first one to, to to jump on the Denver Broncos bandwagon as to assume that they would be the AFC representative. In this year's Super Bowl, clearly I was wrong, um, but 
I, I, I bought the hype. I, I, I wore the merch. I, I, I was in there. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of taking a wait-and-see approach um, for the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton. I do believe that Nathaniel Hackett was in over his head. Um, we learned that in, in game one, week one, when the timeouts and, and everything took place the way it did. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I do think that this Denver Broncos team is going to be able to do, do some things and make some noise. Um, there's still going to be a wait-and-see approach for me for all three teams in that division because I'm not a fan of the L.A. Chargers because they always seem to suck and pull on themselves. The, 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 the Raiders need to find themselves a quarterback, and I'm not a fan of their, of their head coach because he, he seems to always throw up on himself wherever he's at. And so then you've got the Kansas City Chiefs who are going to be a problem in, in, in that division and in that league in the league for some time. Um, yes, sir. Uh, talk to me. Talk to me. Real quick, it's only been a year that he's been out of the building. But the other thing I want to throw in real fast, they're giving up another first and a second round pick right here. They already gave up, as you said, draft picks to get Russell Wilson. So they better really have what they right. are going to have in house, or those guys better do a really good job in the middle of the late draft. Yes, I, I, def- I definitely saw you. I definitely saw you. Zone, I'll come to you next, sir. You kind of heard what the three of us are talking about as it pertains to um, Sean Payton. Man, give me your position on it. Yeah, I'll be quick. Um, It's a good move for both sides. I think, you know, Payton being under contract, you got some good compensation for him. Um, You know, the Saints desperately needed it because they traded away a pick uh, to the Eagles, right, to get – to move up in the draft last year. So um, they they needed that pick, so they got two for one out of that. Uh, They only had to give up a third-round pick. Um, You know, so the Saints – you know, and it's going to be a high draft pick too, right? So it's it's a good position for them. Um, and listen, the the Broncos they haven't made the playoffs in almost what seven eight years. Um, they've they've right. gone through coaches. I think three coaches in 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 three four years. Um, they needed a, a, a they needed a new voice. They needed a solid voice that can come in and command that team, a respected voice, um, somebody that can work there. You got a quarterback, you know. He might have had one of his worst seasons, but you got a quarterback that you can work with. You got some good receivers in, in Sutton and, and Judy. Um, you know, there's probably some pieces here and there they need to fix, but the defense is already in place. This is a team that probably was a coach maybe a piece or two away from, you know, getting back to the playoffs. So it's a good move by the Broncos as well. So we'll see how it works out to your point of division. Um, it was supposed to be one of the stronger ones. It didn't turn out that way. Uh, they have a real chance to really kind of, get into the mix with the Chiefs if, if they play their cards right. Definitely, definitely. Got another call I want to bring in, another chef, man. Chandler, man, how we doing, sir? Good to see you, man. Talk to me about how you feel about the Sean Payton situation uh, with him being traded to the Denver Broncos. Uh, I mean, I'm not a huge Sean Payton guy. Honestly, I think he's, his PR team is really good. But, I mean, he won one Super Bowl. You know, I keep hearing him talk about, like, you know, he's won 17, he's won one. So, but I think he's a good fit for Russell in a sense of he's obviously good offensively. This is a guy who made Drew Brees look like a world beater when Drew Brees had a noodle for an arm. 
you know, this is a guy who was able to make, as Mike pointed out to me, make the Saints relevant when they had been un- irrelevant for, hell, most of my life, you know. So you know he knows structure. You know he knows how to build an organization. Pick, honestly, it's going to be at the end of the first round. It's a 29th. It's either the 29th or the 30th pick, the first round that they gave up. Basically, they gave up a second. They gave a couple of second rounders for him. You know, because once you get that deep down in the draft, you're picking second rounders. You know, you're not really getting a, an impact guy at 29 or 30. Um, so I like it. And, and for the Saints, it gives them draft capital. It gets them out from under some things. Again, it gives them the opportunity to kind of start re, um, restocking their cupboard because they got to make some decisions. Uh, I still think they need a new coach in, in uh, New Orleans, but that's a different conversation. But and and hopefully what this does is all of the people who have all this personal crap against Russell Westbrook because he ain't black enough for them, now they can complain. Now they can can focus on Sean Payton and maybe they'll leave that man alone. Definitely, definitely. Call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine here with Sports City Chefs, man. The next thing I wanted, the next coach I wanted to talk about um, is, is Steve Wilkes, man. And, and, and the thing that bothers me, gentlemen, I, I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. The owner came out and, and, and said that he wanted to try to put an end, I'm using air quotes, to, to the good old boys network um, that has been running rampant uh, around the, the NFL with, with ownership and their, their, their lack of minorities and, and position of power. I don't understand how he, he, he can say such a thing when, in all actuality, Steve Wilkes was the guy who turned that team around this past year. He was in contention to, to get the head coaching job, and you give it to a guy who got blown out of another organization. So, when, when when the owner um, makes these types of comments, it really does fall on deaf ears. But I wanted to definitely uh, give everybody enough time to, to, to talk about it. Dylan, I'll come to you first. Um, this situation in Carolina is rubbing me very, very wrong. It, it, it reeks of hypocrisy, if you will. And I wanted to get your position on it, man. Give me how you feel. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to keep it brief because I know there's a lot of chefs in the channel. What up, bro? Um, listen, um, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Don't sit here in a press conference and tell me that you want to change the narrative and all that stuff, but then you, you, you fired a black coach to hire a white coach that just got fired, and you're giving him a second job, basically in a good old boy network. Um he doesn't get a job if he's black. If he's not, if he's if he's if he's not black, he's not getting a second look. Not that easy. Not in, not in less than a couple months. So don't sit here and try to tell me that you're trying to move the goalposts. You know, you're trying to you know change the whole narrative and all that stuff. It's it's ridiculous. Um, is Frank Reich a, a good coach? I think he's a solid enough coach. I think he got dealt a bad hand in. Uh, in 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 Indianapolis, just because of the fact that when they lost their quarterback to retirement and Andrew Luck, they kept trying to piece it together with a veteran quarterback that they should have just gone in and said, you know what, let's start fresh. Even though we got a pretty good defense and a run game, let's 
let's start fresh with a young quarterback. They never did that. They tried to keep into the playoff picture with an old quarterback instead of really building it right. So he kind of had to make do with an old Phillip Rivers, an old you know Matt Ryan, et cetera, et cetera, old Carson Wentz. I mean, Car- anybody that gets Carson Wentz should get the benefit of the doubt anyway. But um, honestly, man, I'm just more perturbed that the owner wants to change the narrative, but then you just feed into the narrative. So bad job, bad form. Definitely, definitely. I definitely agree with you, man. Chandler, you're the newest one in the building, so I'm going to come to you next, sir. Um, NFL Carolina Panthers owner talks about wanting to change the narrative and essentially be a part of the change that moves the goalposts to give minorities um, a, a fighting shot. But then, you know, like we all alluded to, uh, he goes and kind of hires, you know, another Caucasian who um, was blown out of a, of a different position. I wanted to get your position on it. Um, like As I said, this really does reek of hypocrisy, um, and I, I, I just really – I really want to get your position on that. Give me how you feel. Hey, what's up, Barry? What's up, brother? Um, I think multiple things can be true. I think that no one believed that he was going to hire a black man, and he didn't. I believe that, yes, with the way that the NFL is going, it makes sense to hire an offensive mind, an offensive coach. That makes sense. Oh, and he did, he did hire a black woman, so, you know, he hired one, you know, <laughs> yeah, I forgot sort of about that. My, my apologies, my apologies. I forgot yeah, about that yeah. one. <laughs> you know, he's got a black friend. Okay, he's got a black friend. Um, <laughs> it's 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 crazy because sometimes just shut up. Sometimes just shut up. All he had to say was, "I wanted to hire an offensive-minded coach." Because that's the way the league is going. That's where all the rule changes are going. Now, at that point, you can say, okay, of who was available, right? Who had a, tr- a track record as a head coach working with quarterbacks, young, older, and different? You had Peyton, you had Frank Reich, and that was pretty much it, of, of who's available right now in this coaching cycle. Like, you got David Shaw, but he's college. You got Byron, who's never been a head coach. You got Bienemy, who's never been a head coach. So, okay, you could have justified it that way. We knew Steve Wilkes wasn't going to get the job. We knew it. We knew he wasn't going to hire a black coach. But that's the way you could have got around this. You understand what I'm saying? That would have been logical. It would have made sense. And if you ha- if he had said that, you you, you could have said, you, you're still going to look at him side-eyed, but you, yeah, okay, it makes sense, but. But when you throw in the I'm trying to change the paradigm, but um, upholding the paradigm, now you're just full of shit, okay? Because one something else he said that I found highly offensive was when they asked him why was it Frank Reich, he said, well, it's his second-level thinking. So that's a backhanded way of saying, saying that Steve Wilkes ain't smart enough. That's what you just said. So once again, you're upholding the paradigm. David Tepper is trying to prove he's not racist by being racist. That's all it is, okay? It's the, I got a black friend. It's the, oh, I don't see color, but nonsense. So he would have been better served to just shut the hell up and just say, I hired who I thought was the best guy, 
and left it at that. Don't tell me about the black woman you hired. Don't tell me you're trying to change the paradigm when everything else you say feeds right into the paradigm. It's a bunch of nonsense. Very well said, sir. Very well said. Mr. Hughes, I'll come over to you, sir. Um, you understand what's said by, by the owner. You see that you seem to hire like everybody else, man. Um, give me your position on it, man. I kind of want to hear how you feel. Man, I'm going to say this. I think, I think Chandler said it perfectly. Uh, Pepper's an idiot. I mean, I'm trying to think of a nicer way of putting it. There's just not a way of putting it. There is so many different things that could have been said and been completely justified. Look, Wilkes was already a head coach here before, and it didn't work out. So, I mean, you had you had all the opportunity in the world to just say, hey, you know what, we want to go in a different direction. We're thinking about going with somebody that's offensive-minded. We want to do X, Y, or Z and not had a problem. The problem, like, as you guys have alluded to, is that the open mouth insert foot took place. But I will tell you, and and I'm going to pat my team on the back a little bit here, but if you look at the really good teams, right, the teams that are consistently in the playoffs, let's just say, they don't don't have a a problem hiring guys like Brian Flores. They don't have a problem hiring guys like Wilkes. They don't have a a problem hiring Steve Spagnola right after he gets fired. They don't have a problem. They don't care if you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian. Steve Wilkes, I don't know if you guys heard, Steve Wilkes, the Niners had requested permission to interview Steve Wilkes before D'Amico Ryan's announcement even happened. They're like, you don't want him? We'll take him. We got an open defensive coordinator position. We'll take him. Like, do I feel bad for him? Of course. He took a team that was 2-7 and seven and was an absolute dumpster fire and somehow through duct tape and bailing wire managed to put, put a 5-3 and three team together with Sam Darnold as your quarterback. It, and, and not to mention, oh, by the way, they traded away their best piece in Christian McCaffrey, their best kind of quote-unquote offensive weapon. And, and Steve Wilkes manned the ship to a 5-3 and three record with that dumpster fire. So I hope nothing but the best for Wilkes. I hope he gets a job with San Francisco as their defensive coordinator. They'll be top five, and then he'll be able to pick where he wants to go. You know what? (laughs) Game recognizes game. It's unfortunate the situation, but it's no different than the Flores situation. Wilkes will land on his feet. I I definitely agree with you there. you know, Mr. Harvey, I, I'll come to you, and then I want to get to the caller in queue. Um, you know, Mr. Right. Harvey, I'll come to you, man. You kind of see how, you know, we have kind of voiced our opinion on it. I, I don't want that to sway you, um, but I, I definitely want to hear your position on, on what's been said so, and kind of what's been going on. <clears throat> so I'm going to point you guys, I'm going to be real brief. Uh, if you go back two episodes of Sports City Chefs ago, uh Mr. Chandler Knight and I had a conversation about this. And I first said I did not like this hire. I thought it was bogus. He was like, really? And then when I went into why, he's like, oh, I see where you're coming from. But I knew he wasn't going to hire a black man. Uh, I, 
I thought Steve Wilkes should have gotten that job. I think he actually went six and six. I think they dismissed this guy four game, four or five games into the year. So I think he went six and six, like you said, with nothing. I thought he should have gotten the head job. I thought he did as much as could have been asked. Um, and once again, you had the way everybody said it. You, you could have uh, done it a different way. You could have said you want to go offensive minded. You could have addressed it a different way. Uh, but you just doubled down and showed exactly how stupid you are. And I don't understand how somebody that stupid is still found a way to hang on to that much money to be able to own a football team. Shame on you. Uh, shame on anybody associated with that Carolina organization. Just because you have a color TV doesn't mean you're not racist. Get the f- out of here. Very well said. Very well said. Caller number is 929 um, I wanted to keep the coaching conversation going because of the never coaching um, vacancies that got filled that I'm very, very, very much concerned about. Um, and D'Amico Ryan is, is what I'm talking about, gentlemen. He accepted the position um, as the new head coach of the Houston Texans. And to be painfully honest with you, um, I kind of wish he did. Um, not so much that he's not qualified or whatever the case may be, but I, I, I just have no faith in his ownership and, and those in power giving him enough tools and enough time to, to, to turn over that, 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 that franchise. I mean, they are seriously on their fifth coach in five years, of which I think, if, correct me if I'm wrong, three of the five or three of the four have been African-Americans. You know, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here, you know, race baiting or playing, playing the race car, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if every coach that you bring in there um, is fired after one year, um, it doesn't leave much hope for me that D'Amico Ryan is going to get a fair opportunity to, to turn around a franchise. I, I, I do believe, honestly, gentlemen, that we cannot be the token hire. We cannot be the guy that, you know, gets trotted out there with no shot at succeeding. Like, yeah, you got the number one, number two overall pick, and you can go out and you can draft a quarterback, but the likelihood of that quarterback coming in and, and, and being so dynamic that it turns your team around is slim to none. You have no offensive line to speak of. You have a wide receiver who is begging, pleading, praying to the gods, if you will, to be traded in Brandon Cooks, um, I, 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 I'm scared for D'Amico Ryan. Um, breaking news, this is your former guy, so I, I'll let you that lead off here. Um, D'Amico Ryan goes to coach the Houston Texans, man. Give me a position on it. Yeah, I appreciate everything that you just said, and uh, not to make matters worse, but I'm pretty sure it's five coaches since the start of 2020. So, I mean, realistically, we're talking like two and maybe a half years. It's been five coaches, but um, I want to start out with the good because you know what? We could, we could we could totally get depressed and down, like you said, um, about the situation and, and what could potentially be down the road. But I want to start on the positive. I am so ecstatic, elated, and happy for D'Amico. Um, he deserves this. He's uh, an excellent, excellent human being. Um, being a part of the Niner organization 
over the course of the last four or five years, um, I've really got to watch him grow um, as, you know, a, a coach, uh, a grow into his own, get comfortable with the media. Um, and, the, and the one thing with D'Amico that, you know, Houston Texans fans are going to love, and it's kind of a, a mantra, honestly, with pretty much all the coaches that have left the Niners is <laughs> he gives it to you straight, no chaser. If things are going well, he'll give it to you that way. He's not going to make excuses. He's going to let you know how things are going, and players love him. Um, they uh, one of the, the only the one thing I would say is is as great as Kyle Shanahan is at schematics and scheming things, and you know all the tinkering and finding. He's really good at finding coaches that do the things that he needs well. I will tell you that. I'm about 100% positive if you ask anyone inside the locker room who the quote-unquote leader of that team is, it's not Kyle, it was D'Amico. And before him, it was Sala. Um, So I am super happy for D'Amico Ryan to get this opportunity. He gets the opportunity by the team that drafted him with, I believe, the 33rd overall pick, the first pick in the second round. He was a pro bowler there, and now he gets to go back there and hopefully make his mark. And I understand your concern, Sirius. I really hope that he gets a quality offensive mind in place that can help him because I have no doubt that he will be able to be um, a leader of men and that he will be able to um, snap that defense into shape what I'm concerned about is this is one of those scenarios like Chandler was talking about where he is going to need an offensive mind that can help develop that quarterback because that is the skill set, at least as of yet, that we have not seen. But I'm super, super happy for him. All right. I mean, I, I feel you. I mean, again, I, 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 I'm glad you kind of snapped me you know, you know, back to, to the good side, you know, for, for me, again, I, I, I've seen it all. I've done it all. I, I, I've seen it so many times. We, we've all seen it. Um, so, again, I just I, – I, I'm happy for him. You know, there, there's nothing like coming back home and, 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 and coaching a, a team uh, that you play for, a team that kind of – you got your start. Um, so I, I tip my cap to him for that. Uh, uh, villain, I, I'll come to you next, sir. D'Amico Ryans becomes the new head coach of the Houston Texans, a franchise that unfortunately we have spoken way too much about on this very network for being uh, below the line as far as production and everything. Um, but they seem to have gotten their guy. Man, give me a position on D'Amico Ryans. Uh, going back to the Houston Texans as as a head coach now. Yeah, I mean, listen, Hughes uh, makes great points. Um, you know, it is his former team. Um, he's a bright guy. I think he wouldn't have chosen this job if um, he didn't think it was the best situation for him, especially with everything that's gone on. Um, in Houston, the last couple of years, they've been a disaster, been an embarrassing organization. Um, But still, my first reaction is always going to be the right one. For me, I was mortified when I heard this. I I was sick to my stomach. I was like, this guy is a hot candidate. We said it for weeks. Like, we we said it before the end of the season that DeMarco Ryan is going to be the hot candidate 
because he's coaching a, a, a really good defense. He's a brilliant guy on defense. He, I think he can do it. And I just was like, of it, all the places, when I heard that he got a second interview there, I was like, oh, God, he's going to go there. And he did. And I, I, I hope it works out for him. I, I'm rooting for him. Not only, you know, selfishly, I'll say, yeah, I don't care. I'll say this is an African-American. I want him to succeed because he's one of only three coaches, four if you include um, Mike Michaels um, in in, uh, in, in uh, Miami. So I hope he succeeds. I hope he, I hope he does um, turn that organization around, but it's a tall task. It's a big job for him to do. Um, they need a lot of help. They got the number, what, two pick overall, so they should be able to get the quarterback that they need to build around. Um, they still need some weapons to throw to. Hopefully they can do that. Um, it's just I I hope he made the right decision. He got a six-year deal. The Texans had better fulfill that six years. If they fire this guy after one year, you are it's going to be smoke in the city. You know, and that's that, that's kind of the thing that I was alluding to. You know, I mean, the 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 task at hand is 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 daunting. And again, we 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 all understand that sitting here uh, this evening. Um, I think you know the other the other coaches that came in before the Nick Ryan understood the task at hand, but was never really given the opportunity. Um. To, to, to put the pieces in place and, and write the strip like hell. Uh, last year's coach, they went out and got themselves a, a feature runner. I, 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 I love the runner back. They, they, they drafted last year. His name is Faith Me. Um, but I, 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 I Damian like that Pierce. guy. Damian so, Pierce. Yeah, yeah, Pierce. Yeah, yeah they, they go out and get Damian Pierce. And I'm like, I mean, this dude lit up the league before he got hurt. Um, runs hard, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, that they were starting to, to, to build something. And I, and I said this talking to um, a, a, another fan on, on another network. I said, my guy, you got to look at the, the situation. The Houston Texans are competing. They, they wasn't going out there rolling over and just laying down for opponents. I mean, they took the Cowboys to a, a tough game. Um, and there were some games down the stretch where they played, they played tough. Um, and, and they were competing. Now, again, you got to have the horses to go around with, 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 their, with, with your zeal and what you have to do. But ultimately, I really felt as though they were starting to, to turn the corner and believe. And now, yet again, you, you, you have another coach, another regime in there. Uh, Chandler, I, I'll come to you next, sir. D'Amico Ryans goes to Houston. Um, you know, I've listed my concerns, breaking news, listed. Uh, the positive, so it's kind of yinging and yanging here, if you will, but I kind of wanted to get your feel on the situation as you see it from your point of view. Well, first of all, um, D'Amico Ryan's out of the five jobs that were open. We know Carolina wasn't going to hire him, right? He could have had the Broncos, Texans, Cardinals, or Colts. I don't blame him for not taking the Colts. Now, I mean that he could have chosen any of those jobs, okay? He had his pick. I don't blame him for not picking the Colts because that owner's a clown, and he wants to he wants to hire his buddy, his drinking buddy. So that leaves you three: Denver, Arizona, and Houston. And he chose Houston. So when they screw him over, and they will screw him over in three years, he got no kick coming. 
I don't want to hear no, I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, they did him wrong, because he knowingly chose a clown franchise. Now, the caveat to what I just said is who he hires as an offensive coordinator. If they allow him to hire a real offensive coordinator, then I think he'll, then I think he's going to be there 10 years. If they don't let him hire a real office, because remember, a lot of times the GMs are the ones that are, are hiring these assistant coaches. When you get a new coach, the GM has way more input than they should into the staff building. So if D'Amico Ryans goes out and he gets a real offensive coordinator, a Byron Leftwich, an Eric Bieniemy type, uh, somebody like that, um, there's other guys out there whose names like, but there's some good offensive coordinators out there, black and white. If he gets one of those, maybe brings in a veteran, veteran head coach who, who doesn't really want to coach anymore, but kind of be uh, like, like Ted Marchabroda was with the Colts when they had Peyton Manning, you know what I'm saying? Something like that. Then yeah, he'll be there 10 right. years. Cause I think he's that good a coach. But if he goes and get some dude who, who was a freaking you know, quality control offensive guy. Oh, now he's going to be offensive coordinator, kind of like what the Jets did with Mike LaFleur. Then in three years, he'll be gone. Then three years, he'll be gone. So, and, and I'm not going to feel bad for him because, again, you chose this clown franchise. You chose this. You know this family. You know how this family gets down. Keep in mind that he sued that team in 2016. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. And then you choose to yeah. go back and work for them. Okay, bro. Good luck. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny you mentioned that. I, it, it totally slipped my mind and so I was doing some digging on the situation um, as I was preparing for, for this episode and for this show. Um, it's just a lot, man, for, for, for us to take in. You know, Mr. Harvey, I'll come to you next, sir. Um <laughs> You hear what's going on, bro? Like D'Amico Ryan's going to the Houston Texans. Um, what say you, my guy? I'll be brief. Uh, to me, if you go to a job interview, especially in a second interview, there's always a spot towards the end of the interview where the candidate gets asked. Do you have any questions for us? And they always say that the most successful interviewees, if you will, have good questions. You're supposed to have when you teach when you're training people to do job interviews, you're supposed to have good questions ready, right? To be able to ask your potential employer. So I hope that a couple of the questions that he asked had to do with what kind of latitude are you going to give me in hiring a coordinator? I hope that he asked questions like, you just let two black men go after one and done. When Lovey, who I was happy for a year ago, got as much as you could expect out of this garbage heap of a roster. You had Damian Pierce, you had Derek Stingley. This team competed. This team had our residence Chiefs fan in the barbershop scared during that game going man can we just get a stop you know what i'm saying like so they played hard for levy so i hope for D'Amico ryan's sake 
that he asked some pointed questions at the spot in both of those interviews where he was asked, what questions do you have for us? D'Amico Ryan's a guy that I respect greatly, respect him as a player, even though he played at Alabama, roll tide roll around the ball and down the hole. Um, and even though he uh, – <laughs> Even though he uh, did a nice job with the Texans uh, as a player, great job as a coordinator with San Francisco. Uh, We've talked about what an intelligent man he is. So I hope he asked good questions. And I also hope that he got answers that were satisfactory and that he didn't just take this job because he thought at the end of the day this was the only place that was going to hire him. And the other thing that I would like to know is, this is six years. I don't think either one of those guys that got hired over the last couple of years by them got this long of a deal. I want to know what the buyout is or what the terms are if they let him go um, without cause, like if it's just because of uh, record or whatever else. Uh, you got Stingley, so you got a defensive back who's good if he could stay healthy. You got a running back who's good. You're going to have a chance to get a quarterback now. Um to me, yes, you get picks for Brandon Cooks. Uh, to Maybe you can get something on this line. There's, there's definitely a lot of work that has to be done. D'Amico Ryan, I truly believe, is a motivator of men and an intelligent man. To Chandler's point, if he gets the right offensive coordinator, he could be there for a long time because he's that good a coach. I hope he asked good questions. I hope he got satisfactory answers. I hope he knows what he's doing because – you know, once again, as Chandler said, you chose this franchise. Best of luck, D'Amico. I hope it works out. I'm glad to see you get a head job. Uh, not enough black men have had coaching jobs in the league. I hope you chose wisely, my friend. Definitely, definitely. Call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. I we have waited long enough. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed having that conversation with you, gentlemen. Um, but I wanted to move on to the games that took place uh, this weekend. We have a Super Bowl uh, ready to go uh, in a couple weeks versus the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, but I wanted to talk about how they got there. Um, And I'll start with the first game. The San Francisco 49ers uh, were down to their fourth, fifth emergency quarterback, uh, at, at some point during that ball game, um, but the score was 31 to seven, um, and I and I don't think that score was really indicative on how bad this game got for the 49ers. I have a 49ers fan in the building, so I'm gonna let him bat lead off here. Breaking news, man! Um, probably one of the toughest games you ever had to watch as a 49er fan. Um, give me your position on it, man. I. I it, 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 it's tough, I know, but I want to definitely hear your, your take on what happened to your boys out there at the link on, on Sunday. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, serious, and this probably shock you and, and, and everybody else in the building, but uh, the loss actually was not that tough for me. Uh, losing a well-fought game by a last-second field goal, uh, losing by a turnover when you're up by – 21 going into the fourth quarter those are tough pills to swallow when you lose your third string quarterback on like 
I don't know, what was it, the third offensive snap, and then you lose your fourth-string quarterback at the start of the second half. I mean, we were playing, we were playing a, a, a game that was almost unwinnable. Listen, the Eagles, I think, in my opinion, I think are top to bottom, and I'm including the Niners in that because I like their secondary better, are the most talented team in the NFL, period. Offensive, defensive lines, you look at the weapons, you look at their secondary, soft, to Roseman, he's created a monster out there. The Niners have a very good roster, and I think if Purdy stays healthy, we at least have a good game to talk about. But I'm only going to bring up one thing, and I'm going to let you boys hash up the rest of it. There's only one thing that really aggravated me or upset me about that entire game. I don't care how bad or how bleak things look. I don't care that the fourth-string quarterback got knocked out with a concussion. Why are we bringing in, quote-unquote, the presumptive starter for next year who's already said, I have an arm injury, I can't throw the ball to play the entire second half, even if it is just to hand off? You're just begging to make things worse. So I can get over the loss because, you know what, as we all know in football, injuries happen. It happened, unfortunately, at the worst time possible. What I can't get over is stupidity and trotting Brock Purdy back out there when we found out later on he had a torn UCL and you have him throwing friggin' screen passes and handing the ball off, not real smart. All right, I mean, I, I, I can respect it. I can respect it. I, I'm going to go last on, on this particular one. So, Dylan, uh, I'll come to you next, my guy. Um, your favorite, your, your favorite team is marching on to the Super Bowl um, after beating the 49ers, man. Talk to me about it. I hate the Eagles, man. I really do. I got hate for them. Um, listen, um, I can't even say congratulations to the Eagles fans because all the Eagles fans I know are just not worth my time. Um, um, listen, they were the better team, I think, coming into the game. I think it was a it would have been a closer matchup if they had a quarterback that the 49ers did, but um, I think we can all agree that the the Eagles uh, were were the better team. Um, they have uh, one of the best offensive lines we've seen in a long time. Um, the way they were moving a really good defensive front seven off the ball, and part of that is scheme. You know some you know really good double team sliding to the second level. But, you know, when you have a running quarterback, it holds linebackers and safeties in that position to where a smart running back can hit the crease and really have no resistance on the second level. It's really scheme, but a really good offensive line, two pro bowlers, two hall of famers on that offensive line. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to handle that offense, that Eagles offense, because they could do so many different things. And Hertz was the X factors coming into this season. He stepped up. And shout out to Hertz, man, coming from where he came from in college, um, being basically taken out of the championship game, being irrelevant to where he is now. Um, it's a great story. It's almost too corny to be a, a Disney movie or Disney Plus movie. But um, the Eagles, they, they, they did what they had to do um, and didn't really have their best offensive performance and still won that game pretty convincingly just because 
um, the 49ers didn't have a quarterback, and it was hard to watch. And it got to the point where it was not fun to watch. Um, it wasn't entertaining. Um, if you were an Eagle fan, you were ha- you were having fun. But as a fan, just wanting to watch a good football game, it wasn't entertaining. It it was kind of sad to watch because you know the 49ers could have put up a better fight um, if they had a quarterback. And then it gets to the point where a lot of frustration happened. A lot of um, you know altercations where you know Williams got thrown out of the game, so it just got really nasty and ugly to watch. But um, you know the 49ers, they have some tough decisions to make um, with their quarterback situation. Uh, Purdy's not going to be ready at least until uh, August, probably later than that. They're saying six months, so um, you know they got decisions to make. But um, they'll be back. They're a talented team. But the Eagles are the better team, and they deserve to go to the Super Bowl. All right, I feel you. I feel you. Chandler, I'll come to you next, sir. Um, the, the San Francisco 49ers and Eagles game wasn't close. Some say that we were robbed of, of a potentially good game. Um, I have a slight difference of opinion, which I'll elaborate on at a later time. But what was your position on the situation as you saw it unfold on Sunday? I thought the Eagles would win from the jump. I thought the Eagles started out controlling the game. Um, I find it hilarious that Josh Johnson wound up in that game. Like I said, um, I think we talked about the game. As long as Kyle Shanahan was a coach, he was going to find a way. To, he was going to find a way for his team to lose that game. Josh Johnson, jo- you went into the NFC Championship game with Josh Johnson as your backup quarterback. Okay. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but who else were they going to find? Who else was going to be their backup quarterback? Dude, I mean, you could have probably pretty much somebody any, else up off Pretty much anybody would have been a better backup quarterback than a guy who's been on 13 teams. Okay? But you don't anticipate him ever being used in the game, ever. Yes, well, but uh, you know that well, there's a possibility of him being uh, used. So why was he at – listen – Miss me with that. Kyle Shanahan has found a way to lose every big game he's ever been in. I'm not surprised. I'm glad the Eagles won because I'm not a fan of Kyle or his dad. Very well said, sir. Very well said. So here is my take on it, Mr. Harvey. I'll come to you in a second. With all that went on in, in that ball game, for a good portion of that game, the 49ers were in the game. Their defense kept them in the game for as long as they possibly could. Here's my issue with the 49ers. I feel as though they really self-imploded on themselves. They took a look at the situation and was like, you know what, to hell with my discipline. To hell with making sure I play gap sound football. To hell with doing what I need to do to play mistake-free football, especially when you're down to your quote-unquote fourth-string quarterback. You have to play mistake-free football. Now, again, a lot of that has to do with what the the Eagles did. I get it. Their scheme is very, very difficult to guard. I get it. But at the end of the day, a lot of the, the, the Eagles got, I believe it was 17 points, off of just boneheaded mistakes. I'm not even counting the 
the, the Josh Johnson fumble, which led to uh, a touchdown. I'm not even I'm, I'm not even counting the Brock Purdy fumble uh, that led to uh, you know so the, that, that that led to points. I'm not, I'm not even counting that. But I'm, ta- I'm talking about the, the the holding on third down, which led to uh, a field goal or a touchdown. I'm talking about the roughing the punter call that could be controversial, could not be controversial. It depends on how you look at it. I'm talking about the missed challenge on the fourth on the fourth down play that Shanahan just didn't throw the challenge flag. I'm talking about the the hit on the quarterback out out, out of bounds. I mean, that, there was just some bonehead decisions on the on, on the part of the San Francisco 49ers that just was like, yo, do, do you even care at the moment? Like, for all intents and purposes, I, 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 I for one, picked the, the Philadelphia Eagles to win this ballgame. I felt as though, as everybody alluded to, they were the better team. Um, I felt that Brock Purdy would really get his first exposure to, to, to some hostile environments and, and the playoff atmosphere and I said this numerous times. There have been Hall of Famers that have talked about how difficult it is to play, um, and he's a bona fide first round ballot Hall of Famer. So to, to to bring a guy, you know, to that to that you know, to that venue who's played all of nine games, it's, it's, it's a tall task, especially in, in that type of a magnitude. So I, I thought the 49ers would struggle from that aspect, but. You know, when, when, when the chips were down, the leaders of your squad felt that, you know, do what you needed to do to give yourself a fighting chance. And, and that's why I felt as though this game was lost. I mean, the score was, was what the score was. And I really feel as though if you challenge a play, like not never – I played wide receiver. I'm never running to the line clicking my fist together to try to get a hurry-up offense. That's a telltale. That some something went awry. Throw the flag. Have him take a look at it. We all. I, I, my three year old was sitting there watching the game with me and say, "Daddy, he didn't catch the ball." My three year old saw that, and I'm sitting here in Virginia. <laughs> so if my three year old saw it and live TV, I know there got to be somebody in the stadium that saw it. Why did he throw the challenge flag? So there, there, there was a lot that went on in that ball game that had me questioning my head. Um, as, as to what was going on, I just really felt as though when it started to snowball, there was no grown man there to grab the team by the horns and grab the right to say, listen, we got to fight, we got to call, we can't beat ourselves up, and I think the 49ers did. Um, Mr. Harvey, I, I'll come to you, sir. Um, what say you about this 49er Philadelphia Eagle game as you saw it? At the end of the day, what you're supposed to do on the defensive side of the ball is try to take away a team's strength and make them do what you maybe don't think they can do as well. Um, I was – the Purdy thing is what it is. You can't do anything about the injuries. I agree with you. I think that everybody, including the head coach, uh, panicked under pressure once the quarterback went down. Uh, I'm not saying that they win this game even if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, but the the thing, that is what it is. You can't do anything about it. But I, I think the thing that gets me, as good as this 49ers defense is, I was a little surprised to see them give up so much yardage uh, in the run game. I mean, the Eagles basically just ran over them all day. Look at the rushing stats. 
you know, you didn't force Jalen Hurts to really make a ton of throws. You didn't test that shoulder. You didn't uh, you didn't control those gaps and really shut this team down running the ball. If, if that Eagles team can run, it will. That's going to be a problem for anybody. And I understand they have a really good offensive line, and I understand that it's much easier said than done. Those line, uh, that 49ers team has a very good defensive front. They have, also have a fantastic line back and core. I, I was just I was a little bit disappointed with how well the Eagles were able to run the ball, and uh, how the Niners were unable to control the Eagles in the run game a little bit more. I I felt like that's something that that you should have been able to do, and or you should have been able to really try to take away from them, and maybe they did and they just couldn't do anything about it. But I, I expected that defense to be a little bit more stout against the run and make Jalen Hurts make some throws and make him really try to have to open things up more um, in the passing game. That being said, like I, you know, I, I knew uh, that one of these games the line was going to be off. Um, I thought it might be the other one. <laughs> I did not expect it to be – this one side of a score. But, I mean, obviously, if you had told me going in that the quarterback was going to go down early, knowing what else they had on that team, uh, I I would have expected it to turn out that way. That being said, as many different other positions as he's played on that team, I might have put damn Debo Samuel back there at quarterback in the second half, uh, just not to risk any more <laughs> injury uh, with Purdy. But, I mean, Debo Samuel is a hell of an athlete. He could probably have done it. I would I would have put somebody else. I wouldn't have uh, run Purdy back out there. But they just couldn't stop the run. Eagles ran over them. Eagles asserted their will um, and, you know, proved themselves to be the best team in the NFC. And that's going to be a tall task for Kansas City in a couple of weeks. Correct, correct. Call the number 929-477-2759. Um, I wanted to go ahead and make the move over to the ASC side. Um, there was a lot of chirping going on before this game. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs had struggled versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they lost, uh, you know, all three of their previous matchups before this past one, um, this upcoming this past Sunday. Mr. Harvey, I- I- I'll start with you, sir. Um, in order for something to be a rivalry, if you will, you know, it has to mean something, and, and both teams have to uh, emerge victorious or it's very much one-sided. Um, you know, this is shaping up to be one of uh, a good little rivalry between these two teams, you know. Uh, what say you about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Kansas City Chiefs matchup uh, from this past weekend? Shout out to the big homie TP. He and I do the time of Sunday morning brunch on Sunday mornings. Um, and we talked about this game, obviously, at length. And, I, you know, I didn't know even exactly why, other than the fact that I knew that Mahomes was going to get tired of hearing about not being able to beat Cincinnati and those Kansas City guys are going to be sick of hearing that. I thought that Kansas City would find a way to get this done. And they did. Uh, now, they needed a little help. They needed a couple bonehead plays. Eli Apple's a clown. Um, I think he needs uh, – listen, uh, since you can find another defensive back. Um, and then you had the play 
late in the game and they tried to say what well, the officials decided it. No, they didn't. Like, you hit that man out of bounds, bro. Like, you you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to throw, you know, take, make that extra shove or whatever. I understand, like, the heated competition. Um, so, Cincinnati helped him late. Uh, but Pat Mahomes, man, what heart. Like, you know, he could move around, but when he really needed to to keep the chains moving, he ran faster than he ran all day uh, to get him a first down. This is the kind of stories that, that uh, that legends are made of. These are, you know, this is a, a kind of career game that a lot of people are going to uh, look back on. And remember when Mahomes could barely move and had the bad ankle, and he still found a way to beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Uh, I said this going in. Uh, Burrow and the Bengals have arrived. They're going to be heard from again. Um, Sirius, I think you were the one, one of the ones that told me going into this season that they uh, they were going to have trouble replicating last year. This team's for real. Uh, they a couple bonehead plays late helped Kansas City, uh, but listen, Mahomes did this on a bad ankle and with most of his weapons on the outside missing, um, and he still found a way to get the, to to make this work. Uh, he had very little weapons left on that offense. As a matter of fact, if that game had gone into overtime, I don't think that <clears throat> I, I I don't know that. I think that Kansas City pulls this game out. So, uh, but at the end of the day, what happened happened. They found a way to win, and to your point, serious, it does legitimize it and make it even more of a rivalry and something to look forward to. They both play first place schedule, so we know we'll get a regular season game between them next year. And I wouldn't rule out these two teams playing again late in January with a lot on the line. Um, you know, three hundred and fifty some odd days from now. Um, 360-some-odd days from now trying to, uh, you know, run this back uh, with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Um, Both these teams are going to be there for a while and be heard from again. But shout-out to Mahomes. Without your weapons, you can barely move. Uh, Shout-out to that defense. And listen, Chris Jones was an animal uh, in this past game. So, uh, you know, good performance by him. Kansas City defense did what they needed to do. And Cincinnati – came back. Listen, they took it on the chin. They came back, made this game close, and they had chances to win this game. Um, a couple bonehead plays late, like I said, hurt them, uh, but Kansas City gets it done. Good football game. A lot of fun to watch, and I, for one, am very much looking forward to the next time that uh, these two teams get together, and I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's at least twice more uh, next season. So, hold on to your hat, boys, because we're going to be seeing this Mahomes uh, Burrow rivalry as you said, now mm-hmm. we got uh, both guys have got wins in this, so we're going to be seeing this rivalry again in the future, and it's going to be much must see TV. You you'll be uh, able to, as T.O. once told you to do back in the day, get your popcorn ready again. Get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready, uh, villain. I'll come to you next, sir. This AFC side of, of the ledger, um, for for all intents and purposes, lives up to the billing, lives up to the hype, if you will. Um, what you know? What what say you, man? Like Mahomes was balling out there with one leg and and no receivers. Um, Travis Kelsey cutting you know WWE promos. I, it, it was fun, man. I, I loved every second of that. But what say you? Um, as as you saw from your point of view. Yeah, I mean Patrick Mahomes basically had a statement game where he said, "Y'all must have forgot 
um, put respect on my name. And, um, you know, there's a reason why he's got a Super Bowl ring. He's got an MVP. Um, nobody can do what he can do uh, on the field at the quarterback position. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks that we've seen in the past, present. Um, there'll be more to come. But nobody can do what this guy can do. On, on one leg, really carried this team and, and really played a really inspired game. Um, you know, the chirping and the talking um, from everybody from the mayor of Cincinnati to, to everybody on down in the organization, the Burrowhead Stadium and all that, that was bulletin board material. It makes for good drama, makes for good uh, talk on our show. But at the end of the day, um, these were two evenly matched teams that you kind of figured we're going to come down to the wire, um, and it did in, in dramatic fashion. What a game. What a fun game to watch after the crap that we had to put up with in Philadelphia, right? That wasn't really much of a game. So it was good to, to end the, the night on, on a really high note with a really good game. Um, Cincinnati has a gripe, but you know what? If you ever have to blame their officials for losing a championship game, then you got a problem, man. Um, yeah, they missed um, – you know, they missed calls, right? There was that block in the back on the punt return. Uh, there was holding calls. But there were calls that were missed the whole game for both sides. I mean, um, you know, if you Earl doesn't throw that pick um, down near the end zone with, what, six minutes to go in the game, that's not on the referees. Um, you have plenty of chances to win that game to take the lead. Um, so it's easy to blame the referees, but you got to look at yourself really and say, you know, what could I what could we have done to win this game? So um but give both sides credit, give the Chiefs credit. Chris Jones, we talked about him on the um we talked about him on the Callers Cookout where he's a yeah, he's an M V not M V P but a, a defensive player of the year candidate and you saw why he took over that game. He was a force to be reckoned with. Burrow, um he's gonna be back but they have got to fix that offensive line, man. 92 sacks in two seasons, that's unheard of, man. That's insanity. Um, he couldn't even get going in the first first quarter uh, as many times as he was getting hit. So they got to fix that. But the Chiefs, give them credit. They, they played a really good game. They had a good game plan, and, and uh, you know, they're moving on. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, uh, breaking news, man. I'll come to you next, my man. The Kansas City Chiefs and, and, and the Cincinnati Bengals squared off at Arrowhead. Um, Chiefs get a three-point win, man. Give me your position as, as you saw it, stuff that stood out to you um, as this game unfolded on Sunday. You know what, man? I actually like the way that Barry um, surmised the game perfectly. It's really easy to, to, to blame the refs. It's really easy to, you know, blame a call or a missed call when um, you lose a game. But there was <clears throat> there was plenty of times and plenty of chances on both sides and plenty of mistakes on both sides that made that game as close as it was. But the only thing I want to say is this, man. Um, Nicole Hardman did go out early in the game, so Pat Mahomes was working limited. But the starting cornerback for the Bengals also went out. And I actually just kind of noticed this right now, boys. So the Bengals secondary consisted of when they were in nickel, four of the five guys that were playing in the defensive backfield were rookies. So 
you know, they got a lot of young guys, some experience. This is not a, 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 a quote-unquote pick-me-up, but both of these teams were were not operating, if you will, at full strength. Um, I do want to give major kudos, serious, to Pat Mahomes. Um, this is something that we had talked about on Sunday morning, and I picked Cincinnati because I'm pretty much sure everybody here who's played sports has probably had a high ankle sprain at one point. And it's always worse day three, four, five than it is day one. And for him to go out there and do what he was able to do seven days later is insanity. You know, you even if you get the cortisone shot, right, we all know that wears off just after halftime. Some of the scrambles that he made in order to keep plays alive, that scramble that he made that obviously eventually, as we know, ended the game because – the, uh, the the defender hit him out of bounds. I don't think people realize probably how painful that was for him to pick up that five yards. Um, so, I mean, that was a total, total gut check game. And, I mean, we've been talking about this forever, but, you know, once again, Pat Mahomes, I, I believe, I, I want to say six, this, this is like the fifth straight or five out of six years he's been to the, the AFC championship game now. He's been to the Super Bowl multiple times. If there was anybody that could challenge Brady, it may be this guy. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's funny, you know, Patrick Mahomes, um, in my opinion, stands in the class of bond. So um, there's been a lot of conversations about, you know, is Joe, is Joe Burrow uh, you know, the better guy. Obviously, Josh Allen was a lot of, well, he garnered a lot of buzz. Um, yes, he's maybe a better guy. I, you know, Justin Herbert, um, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, <laughs> watching Patrick Mahomes do what he does um, is special. Um, Chandler, I, I, I'll let you back clean up here, man. Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, squared off at Arrowhead, man. Give me your position as you saw it. Um, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm watching the Knicks choke away another game. Um, <laughs> you know, all week long, Thanks all I that. heard Thanks. was that um, Patrick Mahomes wasn't a quarterback; he was a player. He was a great player, but he wasn't a great quarterback. All I heard was Joe Burrow was so smart, and Joe Burrow was diagnosing defenses, and Joe Burrow just stood the pocket. Right, Patrick Mahomes only did it with his athleticism. That's all I heard. You know, and then I watched Patrick Mahomes play quarterback on one leg. I watched Joe Burrow do a lot of running. I watched Joe Burrow throw two interceptions. I watched him misdiagnose things. And I watched Patrick Mahomes do what he always does in the FC Championship games, which is average 300-plus yards and a couple of touchdowns. That's what he does. Look at the numbers. That's all he's ever done. So, yeah, it was a good game. It was a close game uh, because you have two pretty evenly matched teams. But at the end of the day, you know what? At some point, y'all – and when I say y'all, I'm not talking about anybody here, but y'all – Sports, all you sports experts, y'all going to have to give this man his due and stop trying to find a white quarterback to say, well, this guy's a better quarterback than him because all he does is, you know, he rolled in the bucket. Patrick Mahomes 
throws from the pocket the majority of the time. Now, he throws from different angles. He throws from the pocket. And I watched him dissect and dice up that defense. Oh, by the way, Mike Hinton, Mike Hinton, you're a cornerback, right? Isn't Mike Hinton a cornerback? And he said that was Burrowhead. Mike Hinton, didn't you get torched in that game? Mike Hilton. Maybe shut up. Mike Hilton. Is it Hilton or Hinton? It's Hilton. He he, he, he played for Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was Mike Hilton. Yeah, we don't know his name now. Everybody's going to know it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Hilton, Hinton, maybe you just should have shut up and nobody would know who you are, okay? It's bad enough you got Eli Apple back there running his mouth and holding up cigars like he can defend somebody, all right? <laughs> but if, you Apple. know what, what – and, and you brought up something. And and we, we talked about this when Zach Taylor first got this job. Is he, is he the right coach? Because you can't seem to put an offensive line together, man. It's been, what, three years now? for three years, and you can't put an offensive line in front of them. Wow, this sounds a lot like Indianapolis with Andrew Luck. It's not that hard to put a good offensive line out there. Plenty of teams are doing it. Teams that aren't even winning have good offensive lines, but you can't with a, with a, with a franchise quarterback that's the best quarterback that's ever worn a Cincinnati uniform, Okay. He's better than Kenny Anderson, way better than that bum boomer Sison, way better than Carson Palmer. Okay? And you're going to – this kid – at some point, this kid's going to get tired of it. Like, listen, man, I'm out. But, look, the Kansas City proved that they are the best team in the AFC bar none. Patrick Holmes proved, Mahomes proved he is the best quarterback in the AFC bar none. And you know what? I'm I'm just you know what? And, and and anybody who wants to say anything negative about the kid Osai, you need to shut the hell up. So that's the worst play. I'm sorry, Vontez Burfick played for your team. Pac-Man Jones played for your team. We remember what they did in the playoffs. So miss me with the Osai slander. All right, the kid was trying to make a play. And, you know, I don't fault him for that penalty. He was trying to make a play. Okay, and it was a do or die play, but. Listen, at the end of the day, the better team won, and we move on, and hopefully uh, some of them cats in Cincinnati will now shut the hell up. Joe Mixon, who ran for 800 yards, when every other backs are getting 1,000 yards, you only ran for 800 yards, but y'all the big dogs? Stay on the porch, bro. You know, the thing that annoys me, and again, I'm the resident Steelers fan, um, so when I talk about the Bengals and the Ravens and the Browns, um, I get met with a lot of well, you're just a still a thing uh, conversation. But but I, I, here's my issue: the Cincinnati Bengals remind me of the Memphis Grizzlies of the NFL. You know what I'm saying? For as much as they talk, they have no hardware to show for it. Like the audacity of of Mike Hilton and Pac-Man Jones, not Pac-Man Jones, but um, Joe Mixon to start talking about, you know, Burrowhead and, and, and all of that type of stuff. Like, miss me with that. You still got to shut up and play the game. The funny thing about that whole situation was this. Joe Mixon was pissed all the way off, all the way off that they were selling tickets to an AFC championship game on a neutral site. Came on and said, they got to play us. The Buffalo Bills, they got to see us. He took a fist 
to that in one week, and then the very next week took part in disrespecting a man's house. <laughs> like, what? It, 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 it's crazy um, watching how that game unfolded, but I wanted to point that out. Like, I don't understand the logic behind, you know, what they were doing. Like, you don't poke a bear. Like, Pastor Cajon's, for all intents and purposes, is him. And you poke the bear, and he honestly just showed you how bad he was with one foot, a halfway decent running back, and Walmart employee shoppers for receivers. Like, he was throwing, he, he was throwing passes to dudes we had no idea were on the active roster. And he, he beat you on the biggest stage, in the biggest game, for a trip to go to the Super Bowl. You know, as Travis Kelsey was saying, as The Rock would always say, shut your mouth, Zabroni. <laughs> you ain't done shit yet. You, you, you don't have the authority or the autonomy to start talking trash when you ain't got no hardware or nothing to back it up with. It, it, it just baffled me what, what, what I saw take place this weekend. With that being said, man, I wanted to give everybody enough time to get their plugs and close out. And as you get ready to wrap it up, man, breaking news, man. It's a pleasure to have you back in the building, man. Dude, I, I miss you, man. Don't be a stranger. But give us a plug and a close out. Let me get out of here, my guy. Me? Uh, I was talking about Brian. Hey, that's for Brian, but I think he's on here. Yeah, I think Brian's on the channel. If you want to go ahead. Yeah, he's still here, but Chandler, if you want to go ahead and give us a plug in the closeout, man, as you close the door, man. Oh, yeah, a lot of fun, as always. Glad you guys were here. Uh, sorry for being late. You know I forget about these things. But um, we will be doing the show Thursday. Got a lot of baseball stuff to talk about. We're also going to talk about some WNBA free agency stuff. So uh, tune in. But as always, fellas, great night. Thanks a lot for having me. Yo, how in the world did the Candace Parker get moved to the eight? Yo, that's not even fair. Candace Parker sure. going to the eight, the Las Vegas Aces is not even fair. So I direct going to go to Oh, exactly, yo. Real talk, I, I, I low-key love the WNBA, man. I, again, I, I would definitely have to try to curl up some time to pop in there with you guys Thursday. But thanks so much, Chandler, man. Uh, Mr. Harvey, man, give us a plug and a close out to get out of here, my guy. To quote the rock, man, he used to say, know your role and shut your mouth. Uh, back in um, Snoop Dogg said it years ago, and this is what Patrick Mahomes basically reminded everybody. He is I, and I am him. Best quarterback in the league. Joe Burrow, the second best quarterback in the league. But you ain't arrived at that point yet, my friend. And I love Joe Burrow, but you ain't arrived at that point. Patrick Mahomes, not player, best quarterback in football. I said it last week. I'll say it this week. I'll say it as long as uh, I have the uh, platform to say it on. I told everybody going into the year, everybody wanted to write the Chiefs off, man. Uh, everybody wanted to write them off. You got to see them. Uh, but listen, man, um, sportscitychefs.com, man. Check out the blog's websites, all of our shows. We've got the college cookout on Wednesday night. I referred to the uh, 
time of Sunday morning brunch with TP and myself on Sundays. Tanner and I, man, gumbo at the round table. Round table gumbo on uh, Thursday night. We'll be here uh, to break it down for you. Uh, got lots of things to talk about. Uh, baseball, WNBA, we're going to hit all kinds of things, man. That's that's why we uh gumbo, man. Little hearts, probably to everything on Thursday nights, man. And please don't forget our sponsors, PHI Apparel. Listen, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl, if you didn't know. I'm sure they're going to have some Super Bowl gear ready for you guys. If they win some championships, uh, if they win a title, man, uh, I'm sure they'll have more. But uh, check them out, phiapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEFS at checkout. Get 15% off while supplies last. Man, Nelson, they got sleek and good designs, and you sure to stay down in the crowd. So check them out for all your Philly clothing needs, man. Barbershop on Clubhouse continuing to grow. One great community there. Shout, big shout-out to the homie TP. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here, man. Much respect to you guys. Always a pleasure and a privilege to chop it up with you guys, man. Uh, villain, man. Uh, serious Chandler, breaking news, Hughes. Uh, respect, as always, to all of you guys, man. And uh, good riddance to Sean Payton. Thanks for the first-round draft pick. Laissez-le-bon, Tony Peace. Yeah. Yo. Hey man, I'm I'm sorry. I, I did my I did my whole plug and realized I was on uh, was was on mute. <laughs> wow. Well, Salute I appreciate it. I'm wow. gonna try to make this. That we doing. I'm gonna try to make this short since I since I've already wasted your time. But I just want to say this because I think it's important for Sports City, especially you boys in the building. So, this is episode two thousand nine hundred and ninety six for Sports City. We are quickly closing in on three thousand. For those of you that like streaks, if you were to do three episodes a week for 10 years, you wouldn't even be at 1,600 episodes. just shows you the dedication, the effort that these guys have put in to Sports City. TP Timeless has started it all. We have over 750,000 unique listeners over that time frame. And I just want to real quickly just give a shout-out to these guys. Chad Springs, Major, James Greenwood, Rodri Jones, Colin Cosell, the Gentile Brothers, Mark Mosley, Mike Gross, Caleb Parkinson, Alan and Carol Fisher, Nate, my boy Black Zach Morris, Royce King, Vin, Tom Beard, Doc Russell, Ignacio Silvia, a.k.a. Nacho, James Fitzgerald, Bo Walsh, and then the boys here in the building who all have 10-plus years experience, Chandler, a.k.a. Notre Dame Jones, Aaron, your boy Simmons, Barry the Villain, and then Harvey, a.k.a. Matt. I love you guys. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, my, my man done went down the roster, man. It's amazing. I heard out there in a minute, man. Good God. Wow, mercy. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, it's fun, you know. We all just just guys just good and dreams, man, being able to do what we love. Um and, and it's a pleasure to be able to do this with you guys, uh, for as many years as I've been able to do this with you guys, man. Uh villain, man, you know what to mean. Give us a plug in the call as we get out of here. Yeah, man, there's nothing more to say, man. Listen, get get in here tomorrow, call us cookout, T P Timers myself, guest host. Uh, Adriana Irafola is going to call in, uh, talk a little Giants with me for the first 30 minutes. So me and her are going to chop it up, talk some Giants football, and then we're going to, you know, conclude with our regularly scheduled program with the rest of the chefs. 
Uh, so make sure you listen to that. Get out to her page, the New York Giants fangirl. Uh, she's got a lot of great content out there. Uh, shout out to PHI Apparel, our sponsor. Use the promo code CHEF. Get 15% off uh, promo code CHEF uh, for all you Eagles fans out there, Sixers fans, and uh, Philly fans. Uh, listen, man, I, I love doing the show with you guys, man. I, I can't wait for more. Uh, we got a fun, you know, week ahead of us. And, you know, with the gumbo, we got the Callers Cookout, TP Timeless, you know, the Timeless Brunch. We got we got shows all week, man. So let's go. Let's get it. Definitely, man. Definitely, man. Well, as I always say, man, it's 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 a privilege to do this show, man. You know, when 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 I was a kid, uh, I I had a dream, uh, just just talking sports for for a living. Um, and even though you know the, the checks ain't coming in, I, I I was I was welcome here. Um, and here I sit several several years later, friendships that 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 tend to last a lifetime. Uh, these are just more than just you know my my my, my co-host and and talking but these are brothers um and you know now that we got Adrian in the building you know an, an adopted sister you know crazy giants fans that they seem to be multiplying but whatever whatever the case may be man we we be going through life together man it's a privilege to be here um and with that being said TP always to say man tell a friend to tell a friend it's the chefs again and if they don't know, man, now we know, man, we out. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom. Sports City Chefs is in the room Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom So tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again Sports City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs Sports City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs Yeah Catch <laughs> Woo! Can that be kid? Uh.